This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with H. Jackson Calame, the founder of First Class Business, where they focus on helping businesses with their revenue growth. Jackson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Happy to be here, man. Been trying to get you on forever. You've been ducking me or what? I don't know what's going <laughs> right. to happen, right? I know. Something about my calls just don't make it through to you. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, your calls to me don't make it through? I don't know. <laughs> Call block. I'll have to check that. I'm just kidding. Jackson, great to have you here, man. Thanks for having me. We're also going to talk with Calvin Langenberg, a health and fitness consultant at Long Haul Coaching. Calvin, welcome to the show. What up, Mark? What up? <laughs> Tell me about your shirt, man. What's going my on? My shirt? Well, it's my, it's my, it's my business. Long Haul sure. Coaching. This is this isn't fair. I mean, you guys, all three of you, are seasoned vets in this whole podcasting. This is <laughs> well, my third one. This well, is that's crazy. more seasoned than some of our guests. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. You're I mean, good, I mean, I mean, this is like I've, I've been doing this forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not nervous. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, is that your logo though? This is my logo. It's an L and an H. All right, digging it. So if you look at if you look at the way that my my uh, company is spelled, there's an L and an H in it. So therefore, oh. L H. Nice. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. Like, I think true. Maybe you're talking Make to yourself up a little sense. too much. It makes sense. Okay, talk it down, talk down. Okay. In studio with us today is Heather Bame, a certified business coach that works with business owners to gain clarity and achieve their goals. Heather, great to see you again. Always good to be here. And I'm your host, Mark Ebinger, <laughs> the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring low-cost virtual administrative specialists from outside the U.S., so we can avoid things like taxes and all this other crap that we don't <laughs> want to pay for. Anyway, that's Amen. how we do it. IRS listening. Huh? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes. All right. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you are a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-879-8804. That's 210-879-8804. All right. So you guys are thinkers. Both of you guys are thinkers in this room. We figured that out on the podcast. Um, and so... Well, I was figuring out, I like to have a, you know, a discussion towards the beginning of the show where we can kind of all come together and share our insight, wisdom, you know, or lack thereof, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'll do but that. But just have some fun with it. Thanks for making room for me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when it comes to mindset, um, for business owners, we need to have a good mindset and always be open to learning. So what are your thoughts on that? We'll start with you, Jackson, because I, I know you're a heck of a thinker there, so... Uh, when it comes to mindset, what comes to mind for you? Oh, I'm super biased, Mark. Uh, yeah. If you've ever taken Strengths Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it helps you know what your top five strengths are. My number one strength, according to that, is learner. Right. So I love to learn. I'm constantly looking for opportunities to learn and grow. I also love to ask people why they do things. doesn't always go over so well when you question <laughs> people. Uh, but I think it's our... I think it's like the best opportunity in life. Learn more. The more you learn, the more you can learn, and the more you become a resource to others. So, all right. Yeah. What are your thoughts there, Calvin? What's the specifics mindset. of the question? So, like mindset. So, um, people come to you for coaching, right? So, is mindset important for them? Having a proper mindset important for them to be successful with your program? Yeah, I think that. I think that when you use that term mindset, I mean, it's kind of a buzzword now, mm -hmm. but you have to, you have to peel back the layers and look at the first principles. And that's always, 
where you have to start with anything. It's okay, well, where does your mindset come from? Well, it comes from your beliefs. It comes from what you value. It comes from all that stuff stems from your identity. And so it really is not just a, okay, you have to just think different. You know, you really have to change your identity. And so getting people to not just, oh yeah, I'm going to go start working out. No, no, no. You have to become the fitness person now. You have to become everything that embodies what you want to be. Isn't and that so, a tall order, though? I mean, to tell somebody, well, I just want to work out and look a little bit better. He is a thinker. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> and you're like, no, no. Okay, so first thing you do is you have to change everything you think about fitness. Is yes. that where you would start? No, you start with the little things. So mm, obviously okay. what when someone looks at something like, like for instance, uh, I'll give an example of my own story. So I used to be a short, fat kid, all right? And you look at you know me now, and you'd be like, oh, you're a short, fat kid. Well, what what changed? And it was literally like one moment, one decision where I was like, I'm just going to start running, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just going to do this till I get in shape, you know? So it is one moment, one decision, but you look at the totality of the last decade and it was a bunch of other little decisions of not giving up and just doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's the little things. So if you want to change your identity, so I give this example with, you know, people a lot. It's like, okay, if you want to start being more patient, drive slower. You know, if you it, it's it's small little mm. things in your life that you can start to start to change that will add and pay dividends to. In, so in mine is run. like if I want to lose some weight, stop drinking sodas. Right. That's yeah. But I think it's, it's that deeper adds than calories. A hundred percent. And it, yep. it, there's a there's a, you know, a micro truth and a macro truth to it. So, you know, there there might be there are the tangible things that we can say, oh, yes, do not do this. Do this instead. But you still have to get the under, you have to get to the underlying issue first. So when you talk about mindset, yes, it is 100% important, but still it's like the second or third step. The first step is identity. So identity and yeah. then, and then it goes to For okay, you, how it you was, think. I don't want to be the fat kid. Is yeah. That the or it's like, yeah, who, who do I want to identify as? Like, do I, do I want to be known as this fat kid anymore? And honestly, it was great. Everyone thought I was hilarious. Like, you're so much more credible in your humor when you're fat. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, and it wasn't like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like the craziest thing and it's not like you can't be respected or you can't be loved if you are overweight, but it's like, what do you want to identify, you know, now? And what do you want people to know you for? Like, what, what so do you want to be known for? what's the second like step? Second step. Okay. So we have identity and then we probably have beliefs and convictions and values. Those, those all three kind of come into play into the second level of, this is where you start with, you know, who you are, and then we get to what kind of makes up who you are. And so, okay, so, you know, there's multiple different things that people value. So you have people who value power, people who value security, people who value freedom and independence. And so it really is, okay, well, what do you, what do you value? Um, and so then those things play out into the tangible aspects. So for instance, if you're a person who values security, then the the aspects that you would find that you would do would be things that would reflect someone who would value security. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, like maybe from like a nutritional standpoint, like if you value security or let's, like you know, not maybe from entre entrepreneurial with diabetes, right? sure. That's or like, security thing. yeah, exactly. There you go. Or like maybe from like a business perspective, like someone who is risk averse, mm -hmm. they're not going to go out there and, you know, uh, do crazy investments, things like that, you know? So they value security for them. I don't know if that makes so sense. But. What comes oh, yeah. to mind for me is think big, act small. 
if like what you're thinking of is mm. important enough and big enough, is it worth making that one small change in the right direction mm. today? Right? Like if the goal is to be in shape because it's important and it aligns with your values and you've got all of that there, is it worth not choosing to order soda at dinner? Or if you want mm. to be an investor one day and you want to create this big, huge empire, is it worth reading 10 pages of a book today. Mm. Think big, act small, and it starts to compound. Well, I know Jack's going to go for that. He's a reader and a thinker. And a, what, what do you think about what Calvin was saying? I take notes. Yeah, I um, saw I you over there it. taking notes. I love it because, um, you know, my big thing for business owners is vision. Mm -hmm. But you can't have a great vision if you haven't figured out your own identity first. Mm -hmm. And so while I like to start with the, the people who are ready to move that vision forward, the vision's going to be wrong if they're not in tune with their own identity. I take that for granted sometimes because I know my identity, right? So I love the book, uh, You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar by David Sandler. It's one of the best sales books in the world. And in the first chapter, he talks about your I versus your R. And that's your identity versus your role. Most mm. people identify themselves by their role. So if they have a bad time in their role, they feel bad about themselves. Mm. But if your identity is associated with your intrinsic value, meaning you know that you are perfect as you are, you know that you are valuable no matter what, just because you exist, then you don't face the roller coaster of ups and downs. You can go through those seamlessly. So I know that my role as a son of God helps me feel good. That's one of my most important roles to help me, but I also know that my identity goes beyond that. Again, it's just because I exist, right? So what Calvin's saying makes perfect sense with me because I need to make sure that my visionaries understand who they are as a person before trying to dig the vision out. When it comes so, to business, so... Oh, go ahead. Oh. Well, my thought is both of you have a, what it sounds like a very clear picture of your vision and your self-identity. And I feel like for a lot of entrepreneurs that does get muddled, the role versus the vision, and they have something they want to do, but they don't have clarity around it. What did the process of gaining that clarity look like for both of you? Start with Calvin. Mm. Yeah. Um. I think you have to look at what it stems from. So I, I like to compartmentalize things and see things in layers. And so like the first layer would be my identity as, uh, as a follower of Jesus, you know? And so that trickles down into everything. And then my second identity um, would be, you know, a husband and a father and the roles that, that are intrinsically intertwined in, the, in that aspect. And then next, it's okay. So now uh, I'm a coach, um, and so I, th I mean, I think your question is, you know, how did you kind of gain this realization of your identity? Uh, I think it's just the the outplaying of it just starts from those things, you know. So it's like, okay, I I am a like the priority is those first layers. The priority is I'm a Jesus follower first. So that may look different. I can still be a Jesus follower and a, you know, health and fitness consultant. Um, I can still be a Jesus follower and a husband, but at the pinnacle part of certain aspects, it's like, you know, if someone were to ask me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example of, of, um, how that would, you know, tangibly look for a Christian health and fitness consultant. You know, I mean, maybe one of the things that I talk about is like, don't just have a healthy relationship with food, have a godly relationship with food. So tying in what you do to those first layers that you value 
is kind of how you start to understand your identity. It's like, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of who I am. This is what I do. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a husband and I'm a health and fitness consultant. Okay. So now everything that I do is going to reflect that. Well, and I think, you know, that's something that, that comes, it seems fairly naturally to you because you're not just a thinker, but you've turned that thinking in word as well. You've done a lot mm-hmm. of introspection. It's allowed you to be able to take that and portray it onto your life and your business as well, which I think is super valuable. And some people, they don't think to turn that inward. They mm-hmm. think, but it's all about this, that what can I affect? Right. What can I put yeah. out in the world? The external. And they don't turn it inward. So where did your clarity on your vision and your values come from? Wow. That's a, that's a very deep question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. It's uh, I appreciate it. Um, I guess I, I want to start by saying like, I also, my, everything that I do has to do with those that I serve, mm-hmm. right? What I do, if I, I teach my sales team, we do what is best for those that we serve. If we fall out of line with that, then we're, we're looking at satisfying our own needs. But that's not according to the law of abundance. The law of abundance is the opposite of the law of scarcity. Law of scarcity says, hey, this is mine and I'm greedy and I'm not gonna share it, mm-hmm. right? The law of abundance says, you know what? There's enough water to go around for everybody. That's pretty easy to believe when you live in a first world country. Right, could so, it be like mm-hmm. go get your own? Is that law of abundance? <laughs> <laughs> Good, there There's it is. plenty. Go get your own. <laughs> good guy like that. That's funny. Um, so, the comedian in the room. Yeah. Um, so no, I love that. But uh, you asked where it came from. Um, to be honest with you, I was in Uruguay, um, and I was there for two years helping out, and I was there for a year and a half at this point. And um, I'm walking down the street one night, and I see the silhouette coming towards me. Um, it's probably 9.30 at night. We're supposed to be home at 9. Um, so, it was, uh, you know, we were, we were walking pretty fast. But there was this family we had been teaching. And they had six kids under the age of nine. The nine-year-old looked like my nephew. They lived in a room the size of this room. Uh, and it was, a, it was a tin shack. Um, there was one small twin mattress. And it wasn't a mattress. It was a foam. Uh, it, was, it was just a piece of foam. And it was worn so thin because mom weighed probably about 300 pounds. Um, and so I, I'm constantly, every time I'm there, imagining like, where do they sleep? You know, who sleeps mm-hmm. on the bed? Who sleeps on the ground? Dad comes in and out of the picture every two weeks or so. Um, every time he shows up, he's smoking. And I'm sitting there with my self-righteous judgments going, why in the world is he smoking when he should be providing for his kids? I just want to deck this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not the most missionary-like thought, but I just, it was so hard to just bite the bullet and stay there and help. Anyway, so here comes this little boy, walks up to me, and it's my nephew, you know, and he says, can I have some bread? Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't see people who were starving often in Uruguay. You saw hungry people, not starving. My nephew was starving, and I had to send him home. I had nothing. So I send my nephew home. He looks at me, you know, just ultra disappointed, of course, walks around, and I'm just, in silence, I'm just bawling. Um, you know, it's two other people walking me, they're talking, we're used to this, you know, but this was immediacy, right? This was my family, pretty much. And so I start shaking, and I look down, I'm like, man, I got nice clothes on, um, I got a nice backpack, uh, I felt dirty because of it. And I start thinking, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to go into the rice fields. I'm going to make some money. And then I'm going to open a little computer store because that's what people do here to make money. I've seen it all. I've seen it everywhere I've gone. And I'm going to help this town. I'm going to teach everybody how to make their own. And bam, it was like I was slapped. My head goes to the side and I hear a voice that says, Jackson, why don't you go home, take advantage of your education for once, learn about business and help as many places like this as you can. 
pretty good idea. Yeah, you know, mm. uh, there's Howie Nestel, right? He's, oh, yeah. yeah you know Great him. friend of mine. He introduced us, as a matter of fact. And yep. there was using your talents in a way that can benefit others. Talents was, I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. I was 19. I didn't know I was supposed to be in business, right? So that intuition that Calvin talks about, right? Having that identity, knowing your source of strength, whether you call it the universe or you call I don't care what you call it. I don't think he does either, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can call a giant whale if you want to, right? But that meditation process, that prayer process, that's that secret power that, that if we choose to utilize, your heart and your mind will help you know what you need to do as you study out your life and how you want to help people. Nothing more frustrating than trying to use a, you know, Phillips screwdriver as a hammer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just mm-hmm. Use the right tool for the right job kind of a thing. And when you recognize yeah. your talents and you start using those, the, the way is really kind of paved nice and smooth for you. Mm-hmm. I think there's also, there's one more aspect to that that I think really helped me that I really highlight in my coaching is personal responsibility. So mm-hmm. it's that, That's big. that second in that moment where you stop saying, oh, this is, this is somebody else's problem. It's like no, like this is this is something I have to deal with and something I have to you know grab grab the reins with my hands and figure it out. Yeah, it's consequences, right? Too, uh, which our society needs more of those. All right, so let me uh, go to Jackson here. First up on the show is H. Jackson Calamay, the founder of First Class Business, where they focus on helping businesses with their revenue growth. So, Jackson, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you tell me what you do and then how did you get involved in it? Yeah, so I help businesses with sustainable revenue growth. I'm looking for entrepreneurs that have at least three to five years of experience um, to work directly with me. If you don't, I got free programs or I'll refer you to people along your way. But I need people who are ready to move. Um, And that means personal responsibility, like Calvin said, being ready to be accountable for every action. You as the visionary, right? The buck stops with us for our companies. Everything that happens in my company is ultimately my fault for good Mm -hmm. and for bad. I have to be responsible for what I do, right? So um, how did I get there? Through a process of, one, going back to school and saying, hey, I want to get into the business program. I know I messed up before I left. I got a .33 GPA, but I'm ready to shape up. And they laughed me out of the room, basically. Um, so after that, I realized, well, what do I do? I can get loans and finish my education, or I can find a business owner who's willing to take a chance on me and pursue the path that I know I'm supposed to pursue. So I did just that. I went and uh, got into multi-level marketing, shifted pretty quickly from that to lifetime fitness. I was the first sales rep hired in San Antonio that didn't have a degree. I was tenacious, I was persistent. My first five years of sales, I got the same compliment, backhanded compliment over and over. Jackson is persistent which means Jackson's not very convincing or very good at what he does, but he does not stop following up, right? That was, that was my secret for years was I just got to put in the do, pay my dues and put in the work to get the results. Long story short, Mark, um, I ended up through a, through a few startups, one invested in by Paul Bukite, and who's the inventor of Gmail, and Matt Cutts, mm. the search director of Google. We were doing SEO and helping newspapers with revenue growth. Um, went from that to Restaurant Connect, where we were bleeding out cash faster than we could count, um, going and picking up furniture on the side of the road, repainting it to pay our bills while we tried to build up profitability. Three years later, we're at 36000 in recurring monthly revenues, had 100 distributors, and we were, you know, open table. Our, our big competitor was terrified of us. Um, Apple patented our software. So I got to see and learn a lot of interesting truths about business along the way, being part of 
growing, founding, being a junior co-founder, seeing lawsuits, seeing all these things come together that most business owners have no idea how to deal with or take for granted. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. So then I find myself begging a friend for a job. I was burnt out. I told my business partners too, when my daughter's three, I need to slow down. It's time for me to be a dad. They said 10 more years. I said, no way. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to come up to my daughter at 13 years old and say, hi, my name's dad. Good to meet you. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Right. So I was a stay at home dad. I got to be there, but I wanted to make sure that my presence was more felt, that I got to be the PTA dad, that I got to be the soccer coach. Right. So I ended up stepping down and I ended up calling Jake at Video Power Marketing. Look at videopower.com. They run YouTube ads. They're the, one of the best in the world at YouTube ads. And we did, um, we did some of the most viral YouTube campaigns with massive ROIs. And I got to learn how to shift from doing business the hard way, the traditional way, to creating virality so that you could have conversions coming in through the web. And that was one of the most eye-opening changes because here was somebody who was living his best life, not being persistent, being reliable though and consistent in what he did, patient with the process, just authentically showing up how he should be, and life was coming to him in abundance. 70,000 people per month coming to the website. Google asking him to represent YouTube ads, rather the founder of YouTube calling him up on the phone and asking him to represent YouTube ads. I had the opportunity to shadow him and watch what he did in his life. I was like, dude, this guy just, he doesn't try to convince anybody. He just lives the right way. I got to be doing that more often in my life. So all those elements, you can notice Calvin and I both, we seem to stick to principles, right? It's the principles that drive the victories. That's cultivating a harvest. It's the law of the harvest, not the law of the microwave, mm. right? So teaching entrepreneurs to start looking at, like Heather said, the internal what can I learn internally about me that will help manifest the types of life activities, the types of experiences that I want to have? One thing I noticed about that journey, like as you're going through, mm-hmm. there was a lot of other people involved. Like you went and you learned from people and you grew with people. And when you came to a point where you were unemployed and you wanted to find a new path, you were like, I know who to call. What did yeah cultivating that type of network where it was people who did things and knew things that you didn't, but you had the comfort level with them of being like, I can call this person and just see if I can add value. You know, the, the, we have to, if you're listening right now, you have the ability to choose to make that pivot now. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter when I learned it. Right. But I learned it at a young age because my dad was out of the picture by the time I was four. I was an uncle at the age of nine. And when I held my nephew for all of like two seconds and gave him back because I was scared I was going to drop him, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, but I turned around and I had a thought. I thought, I want to be a dad. What's a dad? And I realized like, man, I don't, I didn't have an example on like what to do. My dad did a lot of good things um, in the picture as well, but not that consistent day to day. How do you show up? So I start watching my brother-in-law and every little thing that he did. And I start watching other dads and start noticing like, oh man, that dad just dragged his kid out of church by his ear. I don't want to be like that dad. Um, you know, the other mm-hmm. dad that picks his son up, walks him to the back. I see him like kneel down, get on his level and start to talk to him and calm him down. I'm like, I want to be a dad like that. You know, 
I've been both dads, by the way. It's hard <laughs> when you got kids. It's hard. <laughs> so, but I, I'm always watching and I'm always willing to ask. Um, you know, I was a favorite person that that anybody like anybody who I dated, their dads loved me. Because I came in and I was like, hey, what do you do, sir? You know, tell me about that. How did you get there? You know, and this guy's like, oh my gosh, like he's yeah, kids willing don't to talk do that. to me about, about anything. And I was. I was like, I was genuinely curious. He's like, you can have my daughter home whenever you want. <laughs> um, you know, and and I, he knew I was going to take advantage of that. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't need to. It was just. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn everything I could about how do I get ahead in life because I felt like I was behind. So. And here's a, here's a, a question for anybody listening because I feel like people get really intimidated by people like that, right? That they yeah. want to learn from, and they're like, they don't want to waste their time on me. So, mm. how often have you come against someone who just didn't want to waste their time sharing information with you? Funny enough, as a missionary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that context no, is a little different. I'm glad you say that, right? Uh, mentors love to teach. They love to mentor, mm-hmm. right? They, they really do. Um, and so, you know, if you're, I think one of the, the things I wish I'd learned earlier, though, to, to stack the point is if we're not paying attention to how to have healthy relationships, we will end up gravitating towards people we probably shouldn't learn from. So you got to study out what a healthy relationship looks like and then go towards those individuals and ask for help. And, you know, some people will help you for the sake of their own gain. Right. Other people will help you because they they want to. You know, they're, they're sincere about it. They don't have anything to gain from it. And so and that doesn't mean that people who have something to gain are only doing it because they have something to gain. So recognizing how to take a step back and understand the situations. For instance, I've got two CPAs that I use, and they both know each other, and I've introduced them to each other on purpose. I want to see who mudslings. I want to see who, who treats people with respect and who has that law of abundance mindset. I've had 10 CPAs that I've worked with and considered bringing into the picture over the last two years. And some of them I turn to because I don't have any transaction with them and I want their external perspective of, if you were in these shoes, what would that look like? Now, it's my job to send them $100 afterwards, but that's not necessarily why they're helping me. right? I should take care of that individual. But there's certain times where you don't have that, and you need to pay the favor later. But you can always ask for help. It's just you got to get out of your own way and be willing to do it. Choose your hard so um, we're about out of time on your segment here, but when it comes to outside counsel, I, I think that this kind of plays into what we're talking about um, at least a little bit. But um, when on, because you're talking about like, you know, having a couple CPAs and just kind of watching and, but it's always good to get other information. Um, but when somebody already has a team, uh, a coach or mentor, why is it important to then maybe look for outside counsel? Uh, auditing is a, is a big piece of that. And entrepreneurs are notorious for handing th- delegating by abdication or handing things off without saying, I don't want to do this anymore, so I'll let somebody else figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then you don't end up getting the results you want. So I had a, a client who um, they were delegating to a VA. And the VA was a little bit underpaid um, and had a team of 20 working underneath them as well with this client. And I started doing an audit with the VA. And I offered them, you know, I was going to negotiate equity on their behalf because of what they had billed and get them a salary raise, et cetera. And so that, that process was interesting. All of a sudden, um, her team in the Philippines didn't 
want to work with our team in Pakistan. And there was this law of scarcity coming out. And so I started digging into reports more and more and begin to realize that, wait a second, some of these reports aren't adding up. It looked like they were, and it seemed like they were, but there was a reason clients weren't getting results. Well, next thing you know, we've got a VA in the Philippines for this company, for this client of mine, who sent a notice to all of the clients that the business owner was not paying them and was taking advantage of women in the Philippines, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she's starting to light his business on fire. So I got to get ahead of that for him. And I start writing an email to the rest of the VA saying, hey, here's what's happening. We did not know if if you're not getting paid, we need to to find out. So I found out through the process that he was paying that VA directly who was supposed to be paying the other 20 employees on that list. They were all being held hostage. And a couple of them responded. Most of them stayed with her. They were worried. They feared. She was a big, powerful person in their city. And they didn't think they would be able to get a job outside of her. A couple came back. One of them told us, Jackson, I'm so glad you reached out. I was fired for having a baby. I did not get compensated for my last month, and I was let go because I missed work because I took maternity leave for one day. Oh, my gosh. Who was taking advantage? Not the person sounding the alarm. Oh, it was the person sounding the alarm who was blaming the entity for doing it because I had found out that she, was, she wasn't reporting honest work. She was fabricating the entire report. They weren't doing what she said they were doing. So... And when you bring somebody in from an out external perspective to audit, my job was never to get her in trouble. I wanted her to have equity. I wanted her to be long to the long-term vision because she was, in, in my eyes, according to the reports, a, a unicorn. But I found out the hard way that sometimes your closest allies, those who you think are your closest allies, your closest friends, actually aren't. Yeah. So careful. auditing, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, Jackson, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn, your favorite social media platform. You can call me, 210-683-9307. It's 210-683-9307. Happy to take, happy to take a phone call as well. Thanks, buddy. Always yeah. a pleasure. Likewise. All right, next up on the show is Calvin Langenberg, a health and fitness consultant at Long Haul Coaching. Calvin, good to have you here. I, I actually see quite a bit of you on LinkedIn. You spend a lot of time there? Yeah, I just kind of repurpose everything I do on Instagram, on LinkedIn. <laughs> is Instagram your primary then? Yeah. Okay. Primary. I don't spend a whole lot of time there. Sorry. All right. TikTok. <laughs> do you do TikTok as well? I mean, I repurpose everything and just repost it on YouTube shorts and stuff. But I mean, a lot of the stuff I do on Instagram is carousel. So you can't really repurpose that on shorts, you know? Yeah, but true. Well, give me an example of a carousel. It's the swipe. Do. No, no, I know swipe. what it is. But I mean, what, what would you post there? Uh, like today, I posted never do this in your strength training or stop training legs, you know, something that's a little catchy. And then you swipe. And I mean, you can repurpose it in like a different format. But but I like where your head's at there because I don't like leg training either. Yeah. <laughs> never, never trade legs. So that'll catch your attention. I love it. But that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people are like, Mark, they go to their primary social media. So to you, it's repurposing. But to them, it's super fresh material because they're not on your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, and your TikTok. They're on probably one or the other. Yeah. So it's good that you're hitting all the all the major markets. Yeah. Yeah, most people do. They They fit into one or two spots like i do mm-hmm. i love tiktok i just go there mm. that's where i get all my accurate news <laughs> I, fo- accurate I followed news. you on that you told us to get on tiktok and we said <laughs> follow me well we said, i followed your path i need to follow oh, you okay yeah follow <laughs> me be that, that next person so i will be <laughs> right now well what inspired you to start your own long-haul coaching you this is your entity right mm-hmm. yep so you went out on your own and you've focused a little differently than most coaches and trainers by going online. What inspired that? 
So I was a light bulb guy and uh, my dad was the branch manager there. And I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. Mm. I was going to be a light bulb salesman. I know a lot about light bulbs, by the way. <laughs> and um, then we got a new manager and I was like, I got to get out of here. This guy's crazy. I was working long hours and I couldn't do this. I was like, well, I, I do like, I do like working out. It's kind of fun. And, you know, I, I did have a process of several years before that of learning how to get stronger. I've tried all different types of, you know, training, calisthenics, powerlifting, CrossFit, all that fun stuff. Um, I love sports. I love competing. Uh, I played soccer, basketball, uh, I mean, pretty much any sport. I love it. And um, so I kind of realized, like, after, after, you know, running for a while and getting in shape, like, how that really does change your mind. Like, it changes uh, it changes your life legitimately. And, you know, I didn't really know why that was starting off. But then the more you learn about it, one of the things that I always tell people is that your emotions have a chemical makeup. And so when you start to do these things, when you start to change your biology, that actually legitimately changes your actions, your outcomes. And so I just saw an incredible benefit from that. And, you know, as a Jesus follower, it's very difficult to not share that with other people. You know, it's like you just taste a really good ice cream. You're like, I got to <laughs> share this with everybody. So that was kind of like the main motivation of, be, you know, becoming uh, a, a trainer. So I, I did personal training for a little bit and I started LA fitness. You know, that's just what you got to do. Commercial gym. Mm -hmm. The hiring process was wild. You just walk in there. You're like, hi, I'm here. They're like, you're hired. <laughs> like, okay, cool. We have a, somebody can fog a mirror. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's so, I mean, there was, there was no structure there and the structure that they had was all about making money off people. And so they made money off, you know, the clients and they made money off the, the trainers. And the way, the main way that they did that is they had 30 minute sessions. Mm -hmm. Actually, there were 25 minute sessions. And so people would come and they would show up, you know, five, 10 minutes late. And then we would have 15 minutes or something. And we'd be like, okay, uh, what do we do? And so what I started doing is, you know, there were some people that were just kind of there just for fun and do a workout. Like, all right, just do whatever. But I would, I started doing, I was like, okay, well, um, this 15 minutes isn't going to do anything for you. Like, how do I actually help you? So I started, you know, writing out workouts for people and, you know, it's being like, okay. And then the, we would use the 30 minutes. It's kind of like a check-in, kind of like a debrief of nice. how the rest of the week is gone, you know, checking in on their sleep and nutrition and stuff. That's our incredible results. So from the get-go, the the focus was on what happened outside of the session. And I mean, there were still some people that would come in and, you know, I still needed to, you know, get my, get my feet wet with just communicating exercise to people because I had done this for a while, but then there's the reality that you actually have to figure out how to communicate that information to other people. And then I kind of got to a point where, uh, you know, LA fitness, again, they're just all about making money off people. I was training, you know, sometimes 20 people a day. So I was like, all right, this is not sustainable. Um, and they were paying me $6 a, a client. So it was $12 an hour, and those are only the hours you worked. It's crazy. Um, but again, you got to get your feet wet. Was, I saw it as kind of like an internship. So uh, then I kind of went on my own. And th throughout this kind of whole process, um, I mean, this is going to be like a hit out of left field, but I wanted to dunk a basketball. So that was like one of my, that was like my, one of my biggest goals. I, I again, I, going from like this short, fat kid, I like, I'm just, that'd be crazy. Like, just think about that. Like, even my own mindset of being like, oh yeah, like, I mean, I've never really jumped. I've never really even tried that and being like, man, like at five foot eight, you know, with the complexion of a polar bear, like that would be like <laughs> the coolest thing. Like that would prove to so many people. I feel like, and I felt like that would give not just like, uh, like myself credibility, but that would give credibility to the reality that consistency over a long period of time yields true lasting results. So I was like, if I can do this, like that would just be such a confidence booster just for other people and for myself. So I was like, all right, let's see if I can dunk a basketball. So 
throughout this process of, uh, I, I finally did dunk a basketball. It was pretty cool. It was off the lob. But throughout this process, um, my knees just, like, they, they got wrecked. My ankles got wrecked. I had, like, horrible patella and ankle tendonitis. And so, um, you know, you start searching all over the place for different, uh, you know, means and rehab protocols and everything. Well, TikTok. That's where you learn everything. <laughs> exactly. Like YouTube, right? Well, then, <laughs> and, then, and then you start applying everything that you've learned from these certifications or just even the general information out there. And you're like, this isn't working. I don't like this. It's, it's not. I mean, you, you try this stuff and I'm very results driven. So I was like, okay, well, I tried this for a couple of weeks. It's not working. Like my knees still hurt. And so there was a, there was a point where I was like, well, I'm not just going to give up. Like I'm not going to be like, all right, I dunked a basketball. I was cool. I was like, I want this to be like a thing where... You know, it's not just it's not just about dunking a basketball. It's about improving my performance, you know. And so throughout this, you know, throughout this time, I was also training um, general population. That's what they call them in the training world. So just like normal everyday people, Sounds not like necessarily prison. athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gen pop. Gen pop. Slightly overweight, uh, middle aged <laughs> man like yeah. myself. Exactly. No. So I, I came across um, uh, Ben Patrick, who is known as Knees Over Toes Guy. And uh, this was when he was first getting started. I mean, he is blown up now. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him, but he's com- he's completely blown up. And uh, I was like one of I think it was like one of his first like 20 clients or something, because I remember I talked to him directly on the phone. and He's like, hey, man, he's like, I train a few people for free. You want to just, you know, and he was like sending emails like he was sending full workouts every single day. And he would just email them out. And so he's like, yeah, just, you know, tag me whenever you can, whatever. And he's just like, I just I just need to kind of get this stuff out there. So I started doing it. My knees felt incredible. My ankles felt incredible. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And I think what's really cool is that when you when you come, when, when, I, when I came to this stuff with a little bit of the background that I had with like biomechanics and understanding of this stuff first, I it, it made sense why it worked. And I was like, man, why is nobody else doing this? So I kind of, you know, got in in entrenched in kind of this whole ideology. Um, but I'm also not a very big like system guy. You know, I'm very principle driven. So I was like, I don't, I understand he's doing all this stuff and all this stuff is great. He's an incredible marketer, but I'm like, why is this like, what are the principles behind why this stuff works? Why do my knees feel better? And then, you know, he kind of partnered with a couple other people and he branched off into some other areas and avenues. And then, um, I came across this one guy named, uh, Lucas Aaron. So his, his whole mantra is range of strength. So this idea that you, and he, he was the first guy that I have ever seen that, when you think of flexibility and males, you think, oh, you know, these kind of like scrawny guys that are kind of doing like this meditation, yoga stuff. It's like, do you want to be strong and jacked or do you want to be flexible? You got to choose one, you know? And then I saw him and he's like doing the splits and he has his, his like quads are bigger in my face. I'm like, what in the world? Like, what is this? And so, you know, then I kind of, you know, started mentoring under him and started to understand like these concepts and these principles of the, the combination of strength and flexibility like how those two are intertwined and it, it just opens your mind to a whole new world like you have no idea what you you just don't know what you don't know and so I started kind of you know practicing those things and then and then this is the biggest thing is learning how to regress so I'm training gen pop and you know these guys are kind of like teaching athletes um, you know some of these concepts like Ben Patrick is really big on basketball players you know so I'm like okay well you know Mary Lou she's not a basketball player right but her you know her knees and her range of motion aren't that great so the biggest thing about you know Ben Patrick all these guys Lucas Aaron is all right how do I regress this to any level mm. how can I use the right movements and the right progressive overload so that I can have an athlete doing this with 225 on their back but I can also regress it to a point where your grandma can do it 
you know, just with her body weight, the same exercise, same movement, but it's just regressed to a point that someone else can do it. It's all the same principles, all the same ideology, but it's just, you can use it for whatever purpose you need. Um, and so, you know, just learning about that stuff. And so I started applying that to my clients and just started seeing great results with them. And so that was really cool. And then, um, the transition to online, the biggest change was Charles Poliquin. He's kind of the founding father of this whole knees over toes movement, um, range of strength. And, um, one of the things he's the greatest strength coach of all time. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but I mean, he's trained over, I think it's 200, 200 Olympic gold medalist. Or no, sorry. I think it's 26 Olympic gold medalist, 200 Olympic medalist. Um, but it's across like a variety of different sports. So he's just, he's just known as like the greatest, uh, strength coach of all time. And one of his main things is he said he went over to Russia and he was trying to figure out why their Russian Olympic lifting team was doing so much better and just completely dominating, you know, the U S team. And he said, the one thing that was different was their athlete selection. So they just chose better athletes. They just chose people that were predispositioned for, you know, their their body mechanics were a lot easier and better. So anyways, so that kind of transitioned in the way that I thought about my training. So I was like, okay, if I have to choose, if I want a successful business and I have to choose between someone who is not committed, someone who is not motivated, someone who needs accountability versus someone who's already disciplined, already understands the value of having a mentor, someone who already understands the value of working out, this almost feels like it's a no-brainer switch. So the online coaching aspect is for people who, you know, don't necessarily need accountability. I remember when I, when I, you know, had, had one of my clients, uh, when I was on a sales call with him, I mentioned accountability. He just kind of laughed. He's like, of course I'm going to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> like I'm paying all this money. This is, this is just what I do, you know? And it's just like, oh yeah. So, you know, I transitioning from working with, you know, people at LA fitness who are just kind of like, I mean, most people who are at LA fitness I mean, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't even care, you know? So, Going Most from that, people who have a membership don't go. Exactly. They count on that. Yeah. So, th so those are the people that you're kind of dealing with. And so it's, it was this transition of being like, okay, how do I attract the people that are going to do the work? How do I attract the people that are going to already be disciplined, already be motivated? And I think the online coaching format is the best way to do that because it's like, look, if you want me to count your reps and if you want me just to show you how to do an exercise, there's no value there. There's not a lot of value there. Anybody can do that. But if you want to learn everything I've learned about how to train your body out of pain and how to create a sustainable means of uh, working out and uh, living life healthier, yeah, that's like let's 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 do that. It's just information implementation. So I think that the online coaching model is just better geared towards you know the people I want to serve. So well, yeah, we're running. Up I on feel time. like there was a book in there. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. I feel like there were three book titles at least in <laughs> that journey from fat kid to Slam where you dunking. are now. <laughs> I want to dunk the ball would be a cool title that mm -hmm. I would probably pull off the shelf if I was looking to figure out how to mm. wind my like that all that experience, the winding through all the different thoughts and people and learning. I mean, that's. Valuable information. Right That's there. how you find your identity. You go on a long journey. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect a mic drop at the end, but you did it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, after all the drop. value, you still hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jackson, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Instagram. Instagram's great. Long Haul Coaching. That's yep. easy. Longhaulcoaching.com or what? Just at Long Haul Coaching. Just go on Instagram, type in Long Haul Coaching. All right, cool. Well, thanks, man. Great job. Um, 
Well, uh, we went a little bit long, but I think it was a great session. I, yeah. We got a lot of content out of that. So thanks, everybody, for coming in. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. You guys have a great one. We'll see you on the next one. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Ooh.